that's the thing that I'm constantly struck by is how stupid everything is right now. It's like we're so dumb. <laughs> everything is. It's like what? How can we be? And actually, this is this is a yeah. kind of an, a, um, a a preview into my topic. So I'll leave a lot of this okay, conversation. Cool. But we've we've also been talking for forty minutes, so something out of this will be a good um, <laughs> intro piece, I think. Do you have a concluding thought that is also simultaneously introductory into your topic and also a smooth transition into our theme song? In regards to everything is stupid technologically, socially, in this current moment right now. Um, I would say that everything is stupid and nothing hurts. Awesome. Welcome to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator, the only podcast on the internet where we talk for an extended amount of time about whatever we feel like, and then eventually get into hard, deep-cutting, critical analysis of Wikipedia, both as in a format and um, the information that it provides to the world. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Alex Virgil. And I, of course, am joined by my spectacular co-host, John Conigan Miklas. That is uh that is correct. Virg, how are you doing today? Doing good? Yeah, man. I had a glass of wine, I had a peanut butter cup, and a nice quick wank. So I'm as good as I'm ever gonna be, you know? Yeah. That how is, are you um... doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm I'm sitting here. I'm sipping on a Montucky cold snack. Montucky. Um, they aren't sponsoring us, but they could. Montucky cold snacks, the official unofficial beer of Montana. Love it. Yeah, a delightful. I'm always in search of a good cheap beer. Is Montucky their ham slash Lone Star, or yeah. is are they trying to be? It's it, it's um it's a little bit more hipster than hams. More hipster than hams, okay. It is, but it is uh the same kind of price point and the same flavor profile, but totally independent. I think they're like Okay. They're an 8% company, so 8% of their profits go to nonprofit Love organizations. It. It's cool. It's a good 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 brand. Montucky. Montucky, good brand. Yeah. The consensus is they are Montana's beer. Um, Virg, do you have any old business? Um, I, I'm trying. I'm only trying to remember what we even talked about last time. Uh, we talked about the Onion and Joe Biden and the oh, yeah. nature of satire, and we talked about Mama La Pita La Pie. Did I do it right? Did I say it? My oh, dude, I'm the wrong person to ask if you said that right. <laughs> Mano I feel like it, pata, ta, pai. yeah. All right, I was close. Um, Is the it the beautiful words of dying languages, the beautiful words of dying languages. I really um, loved that I brought that up. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. <laughs> How do 
my search. It was very nice. <laughs> Impossible to search. It's okay. Um, Mama la pita la pie. I love it. Uh, and then the onion. Oh, of course, in the time between our last recording and our new recording, we have a yeah, new president. Yeah, the inauguration happened. We have a new president. It was nice. It was pleasant. It was nice. It does feel like a harrowing film. We have just walked out of a harrowing film. And we are taking a breath of relief. Like that, that I think regardless of how you feel about things, there is yeah. a subconscious air of that. I have some old business. Okay. Um based on the concept of satire that I thought okay. was interesting that I want to talk about real quick. Um, so Fuck are you yeah. familiar with the Babylon Bee? It's in, it's in the style of the onion. Um, right. But it is, it is conservative. It's a conservative religious version yes. of the onion. So yes, they, they published like they tweeted out a story there was, you know, obviously a fake news story that I was so baffled by, and I wanted to talk about it real quick, because okay. um, it is um, the the story title is "Dumb AOC accidentally strangles herself tying her shoes (parentheses) because she is so stupid." And wait. Is the Babylon be satirizing a conservative attempt at onion-style satire? This is hilarious. This is perfect. I love that. That would be a sight. um, So this reads to me like a conservative, like someone making fun of conservative media. Right. Like a patriot hole. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, where it's like, oh, the joke in this sat in this satire to me, the joke is that conservative media is making fun of a AOC for being dumb, and they're so on the nose that they. But the Babylon Bee is historically like an actual conservative, right? Satire site. So I am spinning trying to interpret whether they were being meta satiric about themselves or if they actually wrote something this abjectly dumb very confusing (laughs) yo okay to our listeners i am currently on the tweet put out by the babylon Bee that links to the (laughs) website and the responses are perfect where it's a bunch of people very genuinely being like, yeah, this one doesn't work. It's not one of your better stuff. Hey, oh, fuck. This is, I don't this know. Is I how really... you fucking lose your mind. I'm going to start clawing at my fucking it, it... wallpaper here in a second. <laughs> yeah. Because, okay, because, because a I... lot of the responses yeah. are just that it's mean. Not even that it's, like, funny, that it's mean. <laughs> that it's too mean. <laughs> No, it is it is legitimately like a, I feel like I'm tasting crazy pills because they even responded to their own tweet. The Babylon Bee res- replying to the Babylon Bee, there has been some confusion on this one, so let us clarify. The joke is that AOC accidentally strangled herself with her shoelaces because she is so stupid. Is 
Has the Babylon Bee just been fucking with conservatives this whole time? In this article, I think they or are. Or is like, even I, that, the response... Even the response... Because... The reply because feels like part of the act. I feel like this, this I is, have this, to be... I have to be charitable to it or else the joke might be on me. Like, right? Like, that is the, the interesting trap they've created where it's like, you either yeah. need to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, this is meta satire. And in that case, like, it's not the greatest satire of all time, but it is clever. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt or else if you're not, the joke could be on you. You could be that ant that thinks that the onion is real. It's like a, it's a weird trap, and I don't like it. Makes me. You fucked me up on this one. You fucked me up on this one. Right? Because this is because like, it. Holy shit! I, they did I something really here. am inclined to give the benefit of the doubt, but nothing about the Babylon Bee. Like, the Babylon Bee's main joke, like, if you go back and you read, like, the majority of the jokes are about men, like, um, gender, um, like, man identifies as attack helicopter. It's that conservative joke retold over and over and over again. So it's not the pinnacle of satire. But, but this can't, I don't know how you could, like, if they... Are, if they possibly were doing this, this is yeah. This is the Joker shooting one of his own henchmen. This is I. I'm so confused, <laughs> yeah. dude. I hate this. I hate this so much. All right. Do you want to move to ethnic enclave of the week then? I just want to move away from this because my brain <laughs> is about to fucking fry. This is too much. This I've literally hit my line right now of like, <laughs> like meta reversals. I, for the last, like, 12 years of my life, I have been searching for the high of, like, finding my line for, like, meta humor concepts. And I think I just hit it where it's just too much. I've, it's too yeah. much. <laughs> no, yeah, it just keeps going over and over. All right. I think it's motherfucking time for Ethnic, Ethnic Enclave. Enclave of the Week. Um, all right, so this ethnic enclave of the week was inspired. Um, ah. I, I watched the first season of an HBO show, HBO Europe show mm. called The Beforeners. You heard of this show? I have not. Dude, it rocks. Um, it's Norwegian. Cool. Uh, and it is, uh, it's about, um, like if people from the, like from different ages, like different Mm -hmm. times in the past started like unintentionally teleporting in large mass numbers into the present day creating like like different groupings of cultural groupings of people so it's set in oslo and they're like people from the 18th century people from 
Norse, like Viking times and people from the Stone Age, like unintentionally like show up in the modern day. And it's about all like the ethnic, like about like the different. It's a detective show. Oh, it's I so love cool. That. It's that's a cool concept. It's a, it, and it's really well done. And it it marries science fiction and like detective noir perfectly. Yeah. Um. So with that in mind, I had to do something Norwegian themed. Um, of course. So I'm talking about the the um com- the town. Mm-hmm. Of Barentsburg, B A R E N T S B U R G, which is a town of 450 mm-hmm. people on the island okay. of Svalbard. Are Wonderful. you are you familiar with the island of Svalbard? I am not familiar with the island of Svalbard. All right, so Svalbard is. Um, Basically, like the most northern, like inhabited place in the world. Oh, basically, wow. I'm looking at where it is on the map. That is pretty far north. Yeah, I mean, it's like really like the land of like eternal sun and you know eternal night right. kind of thing. Um, yeah, that is truly that's, pretty, that's it's Arctic feels Circle farther from Oslo than Iceland is. Oh yeah, I mean it. For those of you who need a reference, yeah. And so the the town of Baron, so Svalbard is Norwegian, um, is a Norwegian archipelago, but the okay. town of Barentsburg is the second largest settlement on Svalbard, and it's almost entirely made up of ethnic Russians and Ukrainians, because, oh. um, I guess there's like a, no visa laws on the island of Svalbard and so people like just move there and they can um they can mine I guess is what you do on Svalbard I don't really know why you would move to Svalbard um but I did like I wonder if it's like similar to like Alaska Right, yeah, like, I think it is. I think it's just like yeah, you you go cause there. The no, because the no visa thing makes it sound like they want people to move there, and and it's the kind of place where they want people. They they know that the only people that will move there are the people that are trying to escape a certain kind of past, possibly. So all right, and like I wanted to. I I there's I don't really have a ton of like information or or, or mm. stuff about. Um, Barentsburg. Svalbard, yeah, Barentsburg. Uh, but I did want to read the first paragraph in the history section on Wikipedia because Wonderful. it is like has so many terms and words that you just can't help but disassociate when you're reading it. And I, I think it's like a fun little exercise in like, oh, this is in English. All right, so you ready? Okay. All right, focus really good, okay? I'm going to do my best. Reepsburg, a now abandoned Dutch settlement on Spitsbergen on Cape Bohemenflia at the north site of Nordfjorden in the Leisfjord, stood rough diagonally opposite Long Yerbien. The Rotterdam based Van der Ebb and Drisselhuis Sheepvart Match Shop uh, built, in the ni- it built it in 1920 using prefabricated huts for the mining of coal. Twelve Dutch staff and fifty-two German miners started mining coal here that year. 
you want me to read it again? <laughs> so, I think the thing about the Biden administration <laughs> that is <laughs> going to be a make or break. No. Um, so, a lot of those what, are... You actually, were there any verbs in there? Did, <laughs> a lot of those like are a, geography a terms. Sentence? But my favorite parts were... My favorite part of that of that paragraph is when it says, "At the north site of Nordfjorden, which <laughs> is a geography term, but then, or no, it is like a like a linked like actual uh-huh. like thing in the Lishfjord, and Lishfjord is just put in there like it's just like a normal word, like <laughs> like you should know what a oh it's on the north it's oh in the Lishfjord Lishfjord." <laughs> Nordfjorden, I'm not familiar with because it seems to be a specific it's place. Specific to Svalbard, yeah. But in the least, but at least it gives me context. Now I understand what a Nordfjord, Nord Nordfjord is. You know? So, um, if you ever need to take an edible and dissociate, just go read the anything about Svalbard. I think because you're just like, oh, in Nordfjord, in in the least fjord. So it was like an outpost that became yeah. a settlement that became a town slash town, I guess, because of its lax laws. Based on the photo, the photo kind of the photo looks like the looseness of their of their yeah, requirements dude. for being there. Wild. It's just if you've ever seen, you know, the thing. Uh, brutal i would love to go to norway but i don't know if i need to go to this island i don't think we need to go to svalbard i don't think there's anything for us there no i don't think so there's like a port crane there's like this the cranes that you like you know the kinds of cranes you see that do like fucking uh cargo cargo containers and shit Mm -hmm. um in this picture and what it's facing is just ice and (laughs) (laughs) it's just facing an empty expanse of death and abyss (laughs) it yeah i mean maybe there might come a time when it's like the only inhabitable place on earth that would be crazy i would i'm gonna look into citizenship in svalbard bard yeah. All right. Well, yeah. so I know that it's not necessarily my turn to start, but I'm going to start. I would rather you go. Yeah, first, I'm yeah. going to start because um, the the article that I found myself on that I I <laughs> an hour and a half. In. Yeah, and and yeah. I think yeah, oh, maybe we'll we'll clean it up a little bit, but also maybe, maybe it's but, a two and a half yeah. hour episode. Who the fuck cares? Maybe it's a fucking two yeah. And a half just hour fucking episode. listen. Yeah. You're the, the little listeners. Shut up and listen. <laughs> um, all right. So, so the the Wikipedia article that we're going to be working off of is okay. list of logical fallacies. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> I <laughs> okay. So well, like ad hoc, straw man, ad hominem, all these. There is that what is that what we're I, like? There are at? there. Are... Yeah, yeah. That's like the those are the cores. Yeah, like. Such? I think there's probably like I don't know 400 on this list. Um, yeah. I think like straw man is like a really classic good one, uh, which yep. is where you, where you, as the person arguing, decide something bad that you're arguing against, 
and you create the argument around that when that's not the actual argument. Ad hominem is when you're like resorting to personal attacks. So you're right. like, um, well, politics recently. Well, this politician had an affair, so he can't possibly have any, you know, good advice. Like, good policies on, yeah, yeah, social equality. Uh, yeah, yeah. like, uh, have you ever heard about how Gandhi, like, slept in a bed with, like, um, you know, naked women? Or, or like, our, you know, like, th- th- that's an ad hominem attack. Um, so I have some, but I've been thinking about this a lot because I've actually been watching a lot of reality television lately. Or um, it's been on. Sydney has been watching quite a bit of Real Housewives and The Bachelor. <laughs> Real Housewives of where? So she Salt Lake. she really likes, or she's watched like kind of the whole thing of Beverly Hills, and now she's okay. watching Orange County. She okay. tried Keeping it close to home. Yeah, she tried to watch New York and um, and. Uh, atlanta and and didn't like it those as much um i feel like atlanta would be one that like she's watching and then you're like you're laughing at a couple things because you actually get the new yeah i know that the the culture is too different yeah um but uh yeah and 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 i think that she likes it because she likes the idea i think she gets she has like some anxiety from social situations, and so to mm-hmm. watch witness other people having like fail miserably social like fights is like right. relieving to that she is not a part of it, you know. Right. Um, Which is why I watch murder documentaries. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I actually find myself quite intrigued by the Real Housewives. Okay. Okay, <laughs> and I don't <laughs> dislike it as a show. And okay. uh, I mean, let's get it right off. Like, if there is going to be a like a you know like a socialist revolution, which you know, fingers mm-hmm. crossed, they'll right. be the first. The idle rich are the they first. They will piece be and, very easy. They're the to first take people out. against the wall, and like, fair enough. Yeah. I think they deserve it. Yeah, but it's an easy way to set the precedent. But but I do want to kind of frame this topic of list of logical fallacies, yeah, and this idea, this broader idea, like the lies we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. cool, uh, around the real housewives, because at the end of the day, it is very possible if not likely that more often than not our lives are built around fallacies like mm. we are more the foundation of the lives that we live at large yes mm-hmm. is more built around lies than truth yeah and i am without thinking in too deep into it i'm willing to be like yeah probably yeah probably. i mean i think yeah it politics religion like any of these that we as like foundations of all the all the quote-unquote simulation concepts yeah like these are these more often than not they're wrong and they're not mm-hmm. built around like the broader like knowledge of everything of um, omniscience like we don't have omniscience right mm-hmm. 
And right. and and so one of the things, especially when I when I get high and watch this show, um, mm-hmm. one of the things I'm struck by is um, relating Real Housewives to sports. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and that more often than not, the drama that these women exist in, like the show itself is built around these arguments that these women have. Like right. large, broad storylines are built around fights, arguments. Mm-hmm. Beef. Beef. But the at the core of it is rules. It's actually the mm-hmm. logical fallacies themselves. And so these women right. are having these arguments and there are they're they're and they're competing with each other. And some and mm-hmm. they want to be the most well liked in their little group of like six women. I think it's like six yeah. or seven women that are on the like that are the you know stars of the show every season. Right. They want to be the most liked publicly because this is a show that is like publicly viewed. Yeah. And so they have so they're they're using and manipulating rules of truth in order to get to that. And they're like, I love that. I love that the fact that the the show exists is the inciting incident. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. and it's quite. It really is quite wild. I mean, and they're every single fight is insane. Mm-hmm. Like every single thing that they fight about is like is the the lunacy of the idle rich, right? Like it, nothing can you, makes can sense. You, can you think can you think of anything specifically? I the last time I saw this show was like twenty yeah. maybe within the first two years of moving here and the Beverly Hills one. Or, yeah, okay. So, so let like, me see I if I can find um like what's the level here? Alright. I so I have a I have this this um this article up hopefully and I, I didn't do an like pre research on this article, so hopefully I'm reading. We don't have to cut oh, yeah, it out, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's the 15 Whatever. most shocking Real Housewives fights ever. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So this is number 14. Play the hit. The 80s party, Real Housewives of Orange County. <laughs> Vicky Gunvalson and Gretchen Rossi have never gotten along, and things got Ooh. nasty at an 80s party when Rossi's fiance Slade Smiley called Gunvalson ugly while she was dressed up in her 80s style, complete with crimped hair. Gunvalson called Smiley a a deadbeat, and then there was lots of shouting between the three, complete with bright neon colors. Okay, so I think the the, the biggest issue that's going to slow us down on this topic is, for example, you'll read that and I'll think... Slade Smiley is the guy's name. <laughs> I know. OC is my favorite one. I think because because it is like you. It, it, if you're listening out there and you like you don't watch Real Housewives because you're a normal yeah. person, like like watch an episode of Beverly Hills and OC back to back and see oh. like like who do when when the revolution happens, who do we take out first, the Ancien regime or the Nouveau Riche? Because both of them deserve it in yeah. their own ways, you know. Right, right, right. So, so I mean, so this is this is one from Beverly Hills. 
At the beginning of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Season 2, Kim and Kyle Richards, or uh, sisters, met Brandy Glanville at a game night. But when an obviously drunk Kim hid Brandy's crutches, it led to an unforgettable confrontation. The former child stars were not too thrilled with Brandy since she was the new girl, but she wasn't afraid to call Kim out for drinking again. Both Kim and Kyle denied Brandy's claims, but as fans know, she was absolutely right. Kim was an addict and eventually ended up in rehab after producers fired her, but not before she and Kyle had another heated argument with Brandy in season two. Brandy accused Kim of doing crystal meth in the bathroom, and Kyle (laughs) defended her sister by calling Brandy a slut pig. (laughs) All right. I don't care that my sister was doing crystal meth in the bathroom. You're a slut pig. This just... And, okay, I I have notes. No, I get it. I have notes. Um, Yeah. uh, The thing about logical fallacies is that they make sense if you are capable of like the full if you were capable of like neo from matrix like downloading mm-hmm. everything on wikipedia and right. you exist in a vacuum and the thing that is interesting about them to me is that they actually are false in the right. jungle that is the real world like in real arguments calling attention to logical fallacies actually don't doesn't do anything for you because right humanity is rarely logical right it's it's the it's the bizarro twisted version of the phrase facts don't care about your feelings yeah i mean it it, it really is feelings don't care about your facts because yeah, yeah, because yeah. that is what the what is what actual arguments in the real world are like. I mean, rarely is logic used, and when it is, it's in reaction to flaw, and it's liable to be clouded by some sort of larger cultural bias. And so so these logical fallacies are super fun, and I think it would be fun to have like a list of a hundred of them that you memorize in front of you while you watch Real Housewives because you can be like, ad hominem, um, too quokey, like, like straw man. But, but that is not how the real world works. And right. weirdly enough, even though reality television like is like fake in some semblance, every time I watch Real Housewives, I can't get over the realness of these women embarrassing themselves on TV. Like... The, the 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 setups are fake but what is real is that they are right. they are like sports stars it's and, it's and, and that's real yeah it's fake it's really it's real. fake in the sense that like a basketball game is fake because a basketball right. game is not happening like it's not like you're capturing it in the wild right these women are competing with each other and that is real it's the same it way real. as sports it is it's real. real in the same way as sports and it, and and we consider it not real because there are no real long-term larger consequences and yet for them there are so it is as real as anything else and and it is absolute i i am affirmed by this 
because every time I personally have an opinion when I watch reality television, specifically The Real Housewives and The Bachelor, like, universe, I will go on Twitter and I will search for the people that I have a strong opinion about. And almost always the prevailing opinion is the exact opposite of what I think. And I'm like, oh, like I am not like this is I I watch it and I'm like Lisa Vanderpump is the worst person I've ever seen in the entire world. Yeah. I hate her so much. She is like she is manipulative. How can everybody not see through this? This is disgusting. Like it's this woman is the devil. And then I search Twitter and I'm like I see hundreds upon hundreds of tweets being like I cannot believe Brandy would sell her dog like that. I cannot believe. Like, it's insane. It is insane to me. And it is also awesome and a perfect encapsulation of humanity. Dude, I totally feel you about, like, the shock of finding out that your opinion about something is not <laughs> and, and then, like, subsequently not being able to logic yourself out of your own conclusion. Yeah. That's the worst part. Where you're like, oh, I mean, like, okay, the one thing I know now is that I can't change my own mind. So I either have to live as the fucking pariah and listen to people talk about this show for the rest of their lives. What I do think is important, <laughs> though, is that, and maybe this is a, a an argument that populism is not good, is that the blending of politicians into the same universe that Lisa Vanderpump exists like politics as celebrity politics as spectacle I think is objectively bad like Kamala Harris is an elected official like she's not Mm -hmm. your And, 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 and mind you intersectional identity in politic in elected offices is important. Mm-hmm. So so that's not the point. But the point right. of glorifying cele- politicians as celebrity, mm-hmm. I mean it goes with people that whose politics I agree with completely, like AOC. Like that is a concern it's concerning mm-hmm. and I think it's good right now because she can fight like into a lot of the um like I, I don't know what a lot of these identity spectacle celebrity politicians actually believe in. Yeah, um, I had, I do have a few of my favorite logical fallacies. Do you want to okay. hear them? Yes, please. All right. So, um, the first one is sometimes called the Helen Lovejoy fallacy. Love that name already. My second spin-off you know band the- name. Yeah, you know the reference, right? The um, Simpsons. Yeah. So what's the what's the like? So the 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 quote, like the Wikipedia article, is "Think of the children." Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So it's a cliche that evolved into a rhetorical tactic, mm-hmm. and it's it literally refers to children's rights, but it's like the ability. It's a logical fallacy in that if you use it in an argument, mm-hmm. you're like. Uh, you know, we're talking about, I don't know, fucking whatever. 
and mm-hmm. you just immediately revert to. But think about the children. Right, right. It, there's like it's, it's the starving kids in Africa argument. Um, similarly, another one is the thought terminating cliche. Um, mm. So some good examples of that is well, that's just your opinion, or it is what it is. Yeah. Um, Stop thinking so much. This is a concept that is debilitating to America. In, in, infuriating. And it's, because yeah, everyone it's a very... says things and no one knows what they mean. No one knows what they mean when they're saying the words that they're saying. Yep. Uh, yeah, now is not the time. Uh, so what? What effects do my actions have? Uh, you're <laughs> now too is negative. not the time is such a Fox News fucking one. Yeah, no, it, and it's exactly exactly right. I mean, so these are things. This is why I was thinking. Like, the more I started thinking about like this list, right? It's like I don't know. I had a roommate in uh, college. My freshman roommate in college was like obsessed with philosophy. He was like mm-hmm. a high school debate team, and he had like had like gotten uh, you know uh, written into, or he had. Uh, he had been able to apply into like way too high of philosophy courses his freshman year. Uh, like he was in like logic three his mm-hmm. freshman year because he, like that was like the only thing he was interested in. And it's like logic is great and understanding it mm-hmm. is very easy for some people, mm-hmm. but sucks for you. You will never ever understand humanity because right. humanity exists completely detached from logic. Mm-hmm. So these fallacies, rather than being like, ooh, like what shouldn't I do? It should be more like, oh, this is just, this is something that ha- that you experience every day mm-hmm. in every interaction you have. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I was, I was like kind of like struck when I was, researching and thinking about this subject where i was like no maybe it's just that i'm thinking about it all the time no logical fallacies are the absolute foundation of our everyday life (laughs) you know what i mean yeah like there it's not like oh i'm just thinking about this because it's my topic for the week it's like no everything that we exist and we interpret is a logical fallacy it really is and I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that, like, we're a culture that where, like, the whole idea of, like, being, oh, fuck. What's that cliche about women who will, like, fucking die because they don't want to seem, they don't want to come off a certain way or whatever? Like, oh. a woman will, like, get in a car with a serial killer to not come off impolite kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, the U.S. in general is that whole vibe, right? Like, the Midwest right. fucking niceties, Seattle freeze, all that, all these concepts come from, like, the U.S. being a place where it's, like, if someone says something with authority, like, you don't publicly confront them on that. You try to right. work around it. And I think, like, that's why you get all these fallacies, because... Because you get enough people who are like, oh, it doesn't matter what I'm saying if I just say it with enough conviction. Well, also, and I think that that they're they're tied into culture, right? Like, they're um, they're an inevitability of the of just 
human infallibility or human fallibility and so right. every culture has their own that are just like built in over time right and so like like we know the american ones you know the japanese ones probably pretty like if if yeah. someone if someone started to like ping off like the japanese cultural ones you'd be like mm. fuck fuck yes of course yeah and that's but that is so like logical fallacy is a proper term for like populism human humanness it's and just interaction yeah it's just it's just human life and so if you want like government or community built by the people for the people you better get ready for like crass errors you know mm-hmm. like like really true like mistakes are made i mean for example the chinese said we don't fucking want that <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. not what they do they don't do yeah. that i mean like 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 their 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 whole concept mm-hmm. their current government concept is built around no we don't fucking no. Like people are fallible. Like they're yeah. they're not going to they're going to make mistakes. We're just going to do it. We trust these people to do it. And and I personally, being an American, growing up in American cultural systems, like don't want that. I want to see like mm-hmm. the dumbness on display. I want everything to be stupid and nothing to hurt. But that's not to say that they're wrong for that. Like we love as Americans to say, oh, they're so fucking wrong for right. that. Like they don't yeah. believe in human rights. Right. They just believe that humans are dumb and mm-hmm. completely full of logical fallacies. And they're right. They're not wrong. That's interesting. That's ah, that's such a good you that's such a good way to put it. Where it's like every day, I guess, because in the US we're living a little bit more of a lie, we get to smile a little more than they do over there you know but which is better which is better it it's hard to say i mean this is the moment when i wish like this is when i wish like the ideologies that are kind of unspokenly assumed in hawaii weren't such a endemic insular culture tell me more because like i think hawaii has because of its like like Hawaii is like a true melting pot, right? Like they mm-hmm. say LA is a melting pot, it's not. No, and yeah, I think Hawaii the salad bowl like... salad bowl is the perfect way to describe that. And I think UCLA and our experience in UCLA was like in retrospect very similar in the sense that like yeah, it has a lot of cultures if you look at it from a pers- percentage perspective, sure. Yeah. But are they mixing the way that like is implied when you say melting pot? No. Hawaii is that in that sense. Everyone has something you can knock them on, but everyone is a little bit of everything, and you get a nice, you get a nice blend of American individualism, mm-hmm. Japanese get in lineism, and Chinese like no bullshitism kind of thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the problem with these big like giant plots of land is that like everyone kind of leans one way, as opposed to being a blend of everything. You know. So you're saying we shouldn't do the ethnic enclave of the week anymore because it's um... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, you're right. I that's a I I had never heard um, L. A. as a salad bowl, uh, but it's a good. Yeah. It's a really salad bowl's good... great. Yeah, because it's got it's got all the pieces, but they're not necessarily mixed together. They don't mix. No. Yeah. Um, and 
I mean, in many ways, I personally, I don't, I'm not, I like, I like that because right. I, I get to, I get to, but I'm a child of like post history in the sense that right. I'm, right. I'm, exactly. I'm an American mutt. Like I am so culturally fluent mm-hmm. or like, not fluent, fluid right. that I get to experience whatever I want. And I think that's kind of like the best the best mentality to take as an American is to recognize these things and recognize historical context and be able to kind of like dip into all of that. And I think the problem is with a lot of millennials because, and the only reason I say millennials is because it's what I can relate to and understand the most. I think a lot of the problem is that we feel that we are, so many of us are post-history and yet every few years we look back at our group of friends and realize very culturally insular i'm not mm-hmm. saying that about you you can and i'm not i don't i don't think that's true about you i think when you do say the fact that you are culturally fluid i mean one of the big reasons i tell a lot of people that we've gotten along for so long is because you do genuinely have an understanding of cultural fluidity at a rate that maybe a lot of other people that we've interacted with don't don't right. have so so when you say that no I do separate you from this um what I'm talking about but I do feel like yeah like I think maybe the biggest problem with millennials is that we feel so much that we are and yet a lot of us have a hard time realizing that the food in fucking Inglewood is going to be 180 from the food in a mile away in Manhattan Beach do you ever get do you ever get sad like I, I, I mean, I think that both of us in many ways mm-hmm. are these like, these like geographic mm-hmm. demographic mutts. Like you are more maybe demographic in the sense that like mm-hmm. you have like multiple different ethnicities running through. And mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely geographic in the sense that like, I don't really have a home. Even I, in okay. this like massive country. And, and, and I also like, I am like a, a great like post 20th century example of just like what happens when you mix too many ethnicities together. Do you ever mm-hmm. get a pang of sadness when you think like, like, and maybe it's a reason that both of us are kind of more observers than we are right. actors right. in culture. Mm-hmm. But if everyone was like us, we truly would be post history. Like right. there would That's... be no, there would be no reason. Like it would just be this like mishmash where it's like, well, I found the, you know, like I don't, I don't really have any background. I don't to get to get really real. I'm really glad you brought up the specific sentence of feeling like I, you, we don't have a home. Not only is that something that I think about every once in a while. This is this is my main current existential struggle with mm-hmm. myself um, in context of everything that's happening, seeing the U S in the state that it is compared to how I had coveted my Americanness growing up hmm. with it being a little bit out of reach. Right. So like I didn't realize until probably my junior or senior year of high school that s- most of the friends that I grew up with, who are half white. So like mm. 
in my child mind more visibly American than I am. Right. I would say most of those friends had grown up considering themselves Japanese first Hmm. and growing up in Japan. And I remember my parents had raised me to consider myself American first. Right. Almost explicitly, which combined with the fact that I spent, you know, five sixths of my life until 18 in Japan was a very like difficult thing to reconcile. Right. Because every time I would say home, my parents would think Kent Washington and my sister would agree with that or not. I don't know how she feels about that. But in my mind, I would always be like, what? I was born 15 minutes from this house we're living in in Tokyo. Right. So now having lived in the U.S. for 10 years, basically having lived out the expectation I had growing up of like, I will always, I'm American. I'm going to move to the U.S. I'm going to go to college in the U.S. and yeah. be, an Ameri- be a normal American. Right. And then being where we are culturally recognizing who i am understanding who i am now at almost 30 all these things i regularly feel like and and you know the divorced parents my childhood home not existing things hard that adds to it too where it's like i literally don't have a home to go back to right yeah because where do i go home to washington washington is not where i grew up the house that my sister lives in is the house is my U.S. home, so to speak. It's like a condo, but I didn't grow up there. I spent my summers there. So, like, I don't have a home to go. Back. And I can't. And, like, this 2020 has been a huge year of, like, considering the possibility of living in Japan as an adult. And I, whether it was because of my own doing or because of my parents explicitly teaching me to be American first, I can't function in Japan as an, as an adult. Right. And now I'm realizing I can barely function as an adult in the U S I, because every time I, I, I act in a way that I think is normal and humane and understood, I realize that these are possibly Japanese cultural norms. Right. That are completely not translatable here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say that um, part of the well, no, I, I mean the profound and really fascinating, and it, it, one of the things that I think has always drawn us together is like how weirdly s- relatable that feels to like my experience. Um, yeah, we, and and we can get into that in a second, but I would say, I would say the interesting thing about the United States. And like maybe both the the um, the major knock and the major like joy or the the triumph of it mm-hmm. is that there, it is not like Japan where there are rules like mm-hmm. you can be a fucking babbling prophet on the streets and you are an acceptable member of the american fabric like Mm -hmm. that is and so and so the my only response in like to counter what you've said is Mm -hmm. that there is no rule book to be an american right there is no like you are acceptable in america Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. under any circumstance, mm-hmm. not necessarily politically or socioculturally, but like in the broader idea of like the American experiment, I think that mm-hmm. is the core of it. Is like you can be whoever the fuck you want to be. Like That's you truly can be and act whoever you want to be because it be and i mean mind you mm-hmm. this over over um whelms and and erases like a rich interesting history of the people who were here before but the right. concept of the united states of america is that mm-hmm. it was this you know one of the largest swaths of land one of the most mm-hmm. beautiful large swaths of land blank slate do whatever the fuck you want who cares that's and that's that's it that's it there's nothing more to it i agree that okay i'm gonna frame this the best way i can i agree that that is your experience Hmm. and i think the slight the slight difference between your and i'm not even saying this to put myself in a different tier or whatever I think the slight difference is the concept of if you don't like it, you can leave, which doesn't exist in Japan because of 99% homogeneity, right. where it's like, you don't tell another Japanese person that if you don't like it, you can leave. <laughs> no, they're Japanese right. and you're Japanese. But with the US, if you get someone like David Foster Wallace, even a James Baldwin, mm-hmm. who is bringing up these concepts of questioning the culture as a whole, they don't get told if you don't like it, you can leave because the understanding is that they are homegrown Americans, right? Even James Baldwin, who is black, even white people understand that when he says these things, it's not he didn't immigrate here, blah, blah, blah. Well, and wait, right? can I, I, I keep going? But uh, I think oftentimes the American experience gets separated or it gets simplified into white and black as the only yes. experiences right? right because 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 black is unquestionably an american mm-hmm. experience it's not right. like a, you can leave like the african-american experiences as not like is the protagonist of america right uh, but but yeah i keep going and, and, because, and i think it's interesting because there's like the de facto kind of cultural unspoken understanding of that and then there's also like the Chinese Exclusion Act being the first actual like legislation that specifically, you know, and it wasn't like the Black Exclusion Act. No. Even 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 the most racist white people had to include black people in, to some degree in the fabric because it was the building it was a building block. But like consciously Asians and other versions of brown save Mexican, I think fall into this idea of if you don't like it, you can leave. And for me, there is an easier internal reconciliation of these cultural differences because I can fall back on that. So anytime I Mm -hmm. completely disagree with American things, I can always go, well, this is the part where, you know, like, because even growing up as a kid, I was like, I would love the U.S. to be a little bit more like Japan and I would love Japan to be a little bit more like the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I can always fall back on that, right? If, if, If people are saying that I'm not, I don't keep my head down enough in Japan, then I can argue like, well, that's the American side of me. And I think Japanese people maybe could use a little bit more fucking individual, right. You know, conviction and dignity. And then on the other side, when people in the U S call me a pushover and say like, Verge, you just like, like, you know, all this shit. I'm like, well, there is that kind of concept of like fucking like 
dealing with shit quietly in Japan. I think so that sucks for me. Right. But it is a double edged sword in that I always have that out. While you, when you get to that point, where do you go? You don't get to fall back on the old world. So I think, I do think it, 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 it's in weird ways, it is a harder struggle for homegrown white American guys who are having these thoughts because you don't have the out. It's your entire world. You know, I was questioned when you disagree like that. I was thinking about this the other day. And um, something that I think is not um, so so many ways that we separate ourselves in the United States, right, or or distinguish ourselves. Yeah, and I think I mean I think the from current, each other or from the rest of the world from each other. Okay. Um, I think the thing that currently stands that's not mm. not wrong by any means is race, right? Like mm-hmm. that is like the beating heart of like what people interpret to be the largest issue of America. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not wrong. I mean, there's, right, right, there's right. nothing wrong with that. Like I get Very it. Very compelling arguments, yeah. But like like something that I was thinking about today, recently I guess, is that the only reason I'm here, the only reason I am sitting at this table on this land is because my ancestors were fucking poor trash. (laughs) And they could not make it in the old world. And they had to leave because they were poor fucking trash. Uh And I think that that connects me with like, almost everyone that has ever stepped foot on this land yeah that has that is not from here and so yeah. and so one of the things that i think constantly gets put like these forces that get put up against each other is like all right should we be talking about class or should we be talking about race right and the i mean the the true answer of it is like well yes all of the above but like we have instilled in ourselves this idea that america we we shouldn't talk about class for some reason right and yet like i personally don't have like an experience of like utter despondent lower class but it's in my ancestry and right. and and like we 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 bring up ancestry when we talk about race and ethnicity constantly mm-hmm. like even though it's not even though it's sometimes some of these things aren't being experienced firsthand like mm-hmm. we reference them constantly so why can't we do that with class because it would connect a whole lot more people in the United States if if there was if if we were if if we were building coalitions based on like yeah. a reference to like, no, you should help. Like our politics, our culture should be built around helping the the least fortunate, based mm-hmm. on class, because it's in your DNA too. We're like we're all just a we're a nation of fucking paupers. Like I, 
I think I think this is where it's it all comes down to 150 years to 200 years of Southern Democrat slash movement conservative types, as we understand it, making the conversation about race to make it not about class. Right. And it succeeded at such a level. Well, and, that we and are still having a hard time. And also, also, I mean, let me interrupt to 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 just ask, like, if that is just like, like harebrained white guy shit, like, tell me it is. No, you know what no, I mean? No, no, like, because it could I, I, be. No, the question. I guess. I guess. I don't think it's harebrained white guy shit. I think it is. Uh, concisely logicable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I can explain to you why you feel this way, this specifically, but I don't think it's harebrained. I think it is a very real issue. And it, but and and I will. I think I can it be the first to admit before someone else mm-hmm. doesn't call me out on it that it's like built around not having racial trauma. Like right. I don't have that, right. and and I don't even. I mean, I I like as much as like my um grandparents mm-hmm. on both sides experienced like like true discrimination for being irish or being slovak like that's not like passed down like it's not inherited yeah. trauma the way that like like racial situate like you experience like i don't know i mean people no no, are, no 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 i i feel you i feel you I, but I think it, what it is, is like, okay, the storming of the Capitol, right? Yeah. Being a hilarious example. And the discourse that followed it of like, well, if it was black and brown people doing it, they never could have made it. Okay. Let's talk about that statement for a second. So we are accepting the reality that the thing that a bunch of white guys did is something that a bunch of people on the other side of the aisle want to also do. So we are in agreement against the oligarchs. Right. But the thing about the oligarchs is that for over 150 years, they have done such a good job of mobilizing the demographic that stormed the Capitol into blaming black and brown people in this country for their desire to do this yep. that race has become now, I'm literally reading a book on this right now how the south won the civil war by heather cox richardson who Interesting. is like who is the boston college political historian who got like pretty big because she started doing like a journal every day hmm. of just breaking down what happened in political news interesting as a record and her newest book is How the South Won the Civil War, which is about how 1850s, like politics that basically started around the Zachary Taylor era, is literally one through line to where we are today. Right? Like Andrew yeah. Johnson, how Andrew Johnson went against Yeah, Reconstruction, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it ultimately comes down to the lawmakers who we are, we would now consider conservative Republicans uh, making sure that the conversation is about race so that it's not about class. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a scary, it's a scary thought. I mean, and I think it's, um, it's not super far off. Like yeah, race, racism in the, in the function, functional core of how it exists in the United States is not something that can be solved right in its own it alone like the suffering caused by racism is inevitable not and 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 not because we should just accept and facilitate white racists but because human suffering is inevitable and mm-hmm. it's and it's a function of human suffering mm-hmm the thing that is not inevitable, the one thing that we as a, a, a coalesced community and can force on our government is changing the elements of material suffering. Mm-hmm. We have enough resources to make sure that people are not poor. Right. And yet we do not do that. Right. Because it throws off the capital, the agreement yes. between capital and labor. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the inevitability of it. Is it like people do not have to be poor. People do not mm-hmm. have, or at least people do not have to be as poor and as scared of being poor as they currently are. But mm-hmm. it benefits capital. Mm-hmm. Unemployment and 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 uh, restlessness and like the uh, the the fear of capitalism benefits Jeff Bezos. It benefits the richest mm-hmm. people in the world. Yeah. And I mean, like there's no getting around that unless you're willing to do some real shit. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that I think like Jeff Bezos is like consciously considering is the fact that his products have to outrun they have to outrun the anger and vitriol of his employees. Right? Yeah. Like like his products just have to keep us just comfortable enough. And I'm I'm sure and and like people like him have, they are considering that regularly because that's those that's those are the lines within which they operate. Yep. And that's their norm. And that's their world view. And the- and the scary thing is, I mean, the thing that, that scares me uh, on its whole is mm-hmm. that those people didn't start out that way, mm-hmm. and yet they yeah. are very clearly there now. Like That's the big bummer, right, about being American as a semi-intelligent person is recognizing the reality of absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely, and yet to, to be happy the way the pursuit of happiness is like implied right i mean to become that and to to tie it all back together it's logical fallacies i mean those are like the 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 lies that jeff bezos and mark zuckerberg are telling themselves in order to comfort themselves from what they originally started at is that they they'll never overcome those things mm-hmm. we'll never really fully be able to like contemplate them 
until we until they reckon with history i mean hundreds of years from now yeah we're like i don't know like finally reckoning with the vanderbilts and the (laughs) you know like like these things we people don't make decisions based on logic they make decisions based on humanity in the moment Mm -hmm. they think they're basing them on logic but the lot the foundation of it all is faulty to begin with and they're they're in reality i mean it's to to kind of call back to another thing that we talk about constantly is this is a the simulation is not being run by anyone the simulation is running just fine on its own and we are just stuck with yeah just infinite infinite amounts of decisions being made constantly every single second by everyone that exists that are wrong through no fault of their own through the fault of humanity we were given free will for some reason thanks god uh and we are just reckoning with it every single fucking second (laughs) yeah yeah this is this is like this is when i get into the idea of autism conceptually and like i almost like here's the thing we've been talking for two plus hours uh, we haven't gone to my thing. I don't. I almost don't want to get to my thing because it's just like it just changes course so much. Too too dramatically. Yeah. I'd rather just like make my thing now. Like the question of like, where do you think autism? Like what what role does autism play? Totally. Autism is an interesting concept right now, right? Because it's totally in the broadest strokes, it leans more towards kind of hard logic and this exact logical fallacy humanity feelings kind of thing is kind of rendered not obsolete but like inconsequential right totally and there's a big issue in hollywood right now where people with autism are kind of depicted as having like borderline superpowers right it's the savant it's it's kind of like romanticizing the savant um, started with Rain Man um, kind sure. of thing. But when you look at someone like Greta Thunberg or Greta Thunberg mm-hmm. um, and you start thinking about the discourse around the idea that autism is not necessarily the next evolutionary step but like the direction that humanity should go. In, in the context of the conversation we've been having about logical fallacies and humanity and all this stuff, like it does support the argument that the larger the percentage of humanity is on the autism spectrum, the way we understand it, the better chance we have as a species to survive. Well, interesting. This is actually kind of a callback okay. to our episode on f- um frozen space embryos Mm, mm -hmm. and one of the things that i think that we've kind of touched on discussed is like whether humanity Mm -hmm. is better uh better to be um kind of like 
expressed and drawn out through the the infinite fabric of emotional right like emotions and feelings and like just like like the like this like overwhelming pressure of joy and pain Mm-hmm. Or whether it is a species whose, whether it should be expressed as a species whose goal is survival. Right. That's a that's right. A, like those no, are like the opposite, kind of the opposite ends like of the uti- spectrum. Utilitarian propagation versus the beauty of consciousness, kind yeah. of like human 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 consciousness. And like like one is dumb. Mm-hmm. And one is sad, you know, are like are not sad or bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it just so. I mean, I personally am constantly frustrated. Const like not even frustrated, but like like overwhelmed with frustration. Yeah. By the state of humanity. Right. But I am obsessed with the spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. And I am am overwhelmed with the experience of life. You know, like yeah. I just I I I hate the things that I feel constantly. I'm in a constant state of like anguish and um fear and um disgust mm-hmm. but i can't tell you that it, it isn't doesn't feel like the greatest feeling in the world you know mm-hmm. what i mean i, I don't yeah. i don't i mean maybe no, that's no, that's fair maybe that's kind of like corny or cheesy but like that is how i feel is it like yeah. And I think that which that is, is which what, is that's what makes me a populist. Especially you know, that's what makes in context of what we're talking about, the fact that you know, I think the honest comprehension of that fact about yourself is is objectively more valuable than you not trying to feel that way because it's perceived as corny. Yeah, and I think I I would say. If, if I find myself at the end of it all, like, I don't know, meeting my maker, let's say, let's <laughs> do this hypothetical, right? Like okay. meeting my maker uh-huh. and they're like, you clearly knew better. Like, how could you possibly let this happen? Mm. And I, I think that the reaction would just be that it was just too beautiful to stop. You know, like the, yeah. the 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 element of humans making mistakes, mm-hmm. like humans, flawed humans, mm-hmm. is just it's just beyond like a beautiful thing. Right. Like it's it it is, it is the like the 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 core of what we're here to do right. is to fuck up. Mm-hmm. That's not to well, but yeah, I mean, so that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I am one of seven billion, <laughs> and my feelings mm-hmm. 
don't have to be right. They are they are by my own admission mm-hmm. probably wrong. You well, know? but like in the in in the kind of tone we're getting into, I would say no, it's as right as anything else. It's it's it's, it's not any more wrong than anything else. But it is also fairly um it kind of hand waves um responsibility, I guess. But I don't know how no, to No, but it, it no, it doesn't because I think I think the pinnacle of human self-realization and actualization right now is not so much to understand not so much to know how to navigate this but to know what you're navigating and each person tries to navigate that in their way right Right. yeah yeah we're just not at the point and i think we're getting closer to that point maybe where we will know how to deal with this well yeah i mean i guess and, and and not to say that once we know quote unquote how to deal with this that's the end of our problems it's going to be a new set of problems but this moment in time well if if we were to flip to the other side right mm-hmm. we might have hit a point where the human species mm-hmm. besides like i don't know like the earth if if the earth in the next like hundred years were to like careen into the sun mm-hmm. like the human species would go extinct but we're pretty close to like cockroach like survival of the human species yeah I right like so. I, yeah. I would i think that even even a a like an apocalyptic event mm-hmm. uh would would i mean there's seven billion of us here like would leave like a, enough of the species and probably enough of past technology around right. to continue to like keep the cause up, mm-hmm. which is probably not could not be said of like pre-industrial revolution. I human agree species. with you. Even, I mean, a hundred years, uh, like literally before Sputnik. Yeah, you couldn't guarantee the survival of the human race outside of the atmosphere yeah you know yeah exactly and so with that kind of potentially protected Mm -hmm. what else is there to do but to admire the spectacle and do hope and to work for the like well-being of as many yeah fellow people as possible i think maybe i think you know what's interesting possibly the issue i'm going through right now emotionally is the recognition of there not being necessarily a next tier to reach Hmm. but so much like more just like the cards have been dealt kind of thing Mm -hmm. and now you're stuck with the hand and not me individually but like on a global scale right it's weird right now because we we feel like we have so many of the answers 
Right. And like the funny thing is like it's none of the I, answers that we're looking we for. We don't we don't really have any like I think that we are in such a transitionary time. Mm-hmm. Like we're it feels like we're existing on the end of history, but like in reality we've talked I think we've talked about this is like mm-hmm. we are perhaps existing on the very beginning right. of modern history. Right. You know? like, right, right. Like this could we could be like totally like this is salad days baby completely analog pre pre Mm -hmm. you know like true human exceptionalism um we don't know we have no idea we don't know it's very it's both terrifying anxiety inducing and like kind of joyous in the same way you know it's just like it is it is what it is, first of all. Like mm-hmm. we are we are alas but little ants. Right. Like we we cannot know more than we are capable of knowing. Yeah. And I think just... it is yeah. I think it's beautiful. I think that you know what's interesting is like this is when I when we're in this conversation, it's when I think about the Mayan calendar and I think about the idea of the age of Pisces versus the age of Aquarius, blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, like maybe these, these were predicted in a weirdly apt way where like in 2012, the world as it was known for the thousands of years, a couple thousands that have previously passed has ended. Hmm. And we are moving into the age of Aquarius, you know, the age of Pisces, Pisces, fish, age of fish who is associated with a fish jesus jesus christ two thousand years of jesus christ being the driving ideology behind so much of the global movements <laughs> and now we are moving out of that and when i hear it that way i go oh yeah that makes sense you know the age of pisces if we are considering it the age of jesus did not exist before 2000 years ago 2500 years ago there was a lot of humanity that happened before the biggest ideological driving force in our world yeah that makes our whole world yeah no i mean it's a great point yeah regardless of whether you believe him or not it the existence of jesus as a concept has affected your entire world in some way or another i mean our our year is 2021 so exactly exactly so yeah. then to think yeah that's when i think that's funny maybe 2012 maybe so what was the cultural big cultural shift global shift in 2012 right you know yeah where it's like oh donald trump uh you know not to not to be all blah 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 but like donald trump you know said he was gonna run for president as early as what 2011 2012 and i had a weird end um... of end of the old guard uh i had a have you ever heard of the mandela effect (laughs) yeah of course i I had a mandela effect or maybe it's not because it was just me i (laughs) was convinced that he ran in uh 2012 that's hilarious like i i can can, like almost guarantee you based on my own personal experience that he did not yeah no exactly like it's completely not true but like i have like vivid memories of him in a debate that romney ended up winning and like like being just like like being in like the very first debate and being embarrassed and losing oh it's very like weird how like memory works and how how vivid it can be 
when it's like completely false yeah it's wild dude it's weird and to think how simply we can we as individuals can do that and imagine someone who is like a published author making that simple mistake and then that becoming canon somehow in history and then boom that's reality great point i mean yeah like pre yeah like pre-digital day yeah, like on the subject think, of jesus you know like yeah good point because yeah. because you know and that's the funniest part that i love when we talk about jesus is like <laughs> i believe he existed and i believe he did a lot of the things that were discussed you know and yet i think it's just misinterpreted <laughs> which to me is always my like my like defense against fallacies against me as an atheist you know what i mean yeah <laughs> it's like dude 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 dude. no i'm not even saying that jesus was fake and you're bullshit and all this shit dude i think he was real i think you're just too dumb to understand what <laughs> the, 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 con- the nuance of it <laughs> oh my god yeah a lot of people are too dumb to understand the nuance of a lot of things though so well i think where we are now is a good example of you know how that might be yeah true good point yeah i think it's this is this conversation has been very much in line with a lot of what i've been thinking about this year and i think i'll round it out on a hopeful note with an Mm -hmm. eckhart tolle quote that i am paraphrasing a lot yeah is that when when flat there was a time when flowers didn't exist Flowers, mm. conceptually, biologically, just didn't exist. It was greens, it was moss, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the first flower bloomed somehow as an adaptation, and then it died. And then another flower bloomed, and then it died. But at some point in our biological history, enough flowers bloomed where it reached a critical mass that now we, as members of the universe, get to consciously enjoy the beauty Mm. of these flowers right but a bunch of individual flowers that existed and were as beautiful and flowery as any other flower now had to die without anyone any creature laying eyes on it laying eyes on it Mm. that i think is and and that's what eckhart tolle relates that to the idea of self-actualization now 2,500 years ago, there were three or so people, flowers that bloomed. One was named, you know, Abraham, 2,500 years ago. One was named Buddha, and the other one was fucking uh, Confucius. And they were all flowers that bloomed, but they didn't get to pollinate, cross-pollinate, so they couldn't make more flowers as much as they wanted to. But we are finally at an age where their teachings are being interpreted in a way, in a humanistic, non-supernatural way, that we might be finally reaching the critical mass of humans blossoming the way that they did individually. Right? Let's go back to all the stuff that you're contemplating about suffering first tenet of buddhism life is suffering he went through these things right but the reason he became such a teacher was because there wasn't the kind of cross-pollination of ideas that allowed other individuals like timothy dexter (laughs) 
to share ideas with him that would possibly make it a viable train of thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I think, and I think in the 21st century, as we move away from the age of Jesus and the age of capitalism and all this narrative, other people creating our narratives, self-actualization is actually happening, hopefully, at a rate that it will become the prevailing kind of humanistic ideology moving forward. Boom. Love it. Love it. I have nothing to add. Attributed to Eckhart Tolle. Uh, thank you for listening to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator. <laughs> thank uh, if you. you wanna, if you want to find oh, us, we're on social media. And uh, you can email us, name of the podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and, and if this episode ends and then you find yourself sitting there for a couple seconds just kind of breathing, then fuck yeah, because that's what I'm yeah. going to do after this episode ends. Absolutely. Contemplate. Just get down on the Thanks, folks. Talk to you soon. Adios.